Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Lauren. My pronouns are she slash her. And this is Demythifying. The podcast where two best friends talk mythologies. Go off on tangents. Hope to bring a little bit more forgotten magic to the world. Lauren, you know how much I love being brought flowers. That's also a side note for Jack Grealish in the event that he ever listens to this, isn't it? <laughs> and since we're in springtime and you chose the theme for our last mini-sode, I thought now it was my turn. We're doing flower-related myths now, aren't we? How did you guess? What feels like forever ago now, back in episode four, I told you the story about Echo and I mentioned a painting called Landscape with Echo and Narcissus and I said we'd come back to the story. Oh, is it time to tell the story? It is. And we're going to put that painting on the Insta for everyone to enjoy with us. I like that. It's nice. So it's really, really lovely. Yeah, it's a really nice like landscape painting of of echo kind of reclining by by a pool and then you've got some nymphs in the tree i also have a john william waterhouse to share that's not my last of this episode either i'm really becoming a bit obsessed with his misrelated paintings and this is called it is beautiful this is called narcissus and echo and it's from 1903 and he is gazing at himself in the water and she is gazing at him. It's absolutely beautiful. And the next thing is a wall painting back from from Pompeii. And I believe it's quite a small picture, but I think he's gazing at himself. And then, yeah, I presume that that's her Probably. gazing at him. That's from Pompeii. It's a wall painting from Pompeii, which is approximately 45 to 79 AD. Anyway, back to the story. We've told you that Echo loved a good gossip, telling tales and keeping Hera busy while her husband went off philandering, which didn't go down well and got Echo punished. Ovid writes in his Metamorphoses the tale of Echo meeting a young man called Narcissus after her unfortunate curse from Hera. For anyone who didn't listen or doesn't remember, the curse was to always repeat the last word anyone said to her. She was to never have any autonomy over her speech again. Enter Narcissus. Narcissus was a hunter. He was the son of a river god, Cephissus, and a nymph named Liriope. Narcissus was considered a beautiful young man who many fell in love slash lust with. However, he would feel disdain for them and show anyone trying to court him contempt. According to Ovid, Tiresias, the blind seer, told Narcissus' mother that her son would have a long life provided he never recognised himself. I'm curious what that means. I don't know if that sounds ominous or not. Well, it could be about checking himself. Not necessarily, like, maybe... I don't know. Obviously, we, we find out what it means in the end, but it could be more a personality thing. Or maybe. One day, Narcissus was hunting in the woods and he caught the attention of Echo who started to follow him, and eventually Echo revealed herself to him, tried to hug him. 
It seems a bit much for someone you've just met. Eventually, Echo revealed herself to him and tried to hug him. Narcissus rebuked Echo, who then took to roaming around the woods for the rest of her life until there was nothing left of her but her voice. The goddess of retribution, Nemesis, heard of what had happened and decided it was time that Narcissus was punished for his behaviour. She led him to a pool where the young man caught sight of his reflection and fell in love. He fell into a deep despair at the love that he could not have and pined away until he committed suicide. On the spot where he died, a flower sprang up, the Narcissus. Ah, that's what that's what Tiresias means. That's what the well, prophecy means. We know that that's what the prophecy means, but do you think it could have also been metaphorical? Like he needed an attitude check. Basically, that's what what I'm kind of seeing from that. It's really, really dickish behaviour. Another story for the myth of Narcissus is that he had a twin sister that he did everything with. She died and he missed her so much. He missed her terribly. It's said upon seeing his reflection, he knew it was himself, but it looked so much like his sister that he felt he was looking upon her. In both stories, he dies and the flower springs up in his place. The Narcissus flower tends to be white or yellow and they're characterised by a narrow tubular base, the hypanthium, three petals and three petal-like sepals. Today I learnt the Narcissus and the Daffodil are the same flower. They're from the same family. To give a bunch of Narcissi to a loved one means they are the only one. But apparently it's quite bad to give one. Most cultures celebrate the Narcissus as a symbol of hope and joy, which is a big leap from medieval times when Europeans believed that if a Narcissus flower drooped as you looked on it, it was an omen of death. And another common belief that I just mentioned is giving a single Narcissi can bring misfortune. The term narcissism, however, quite popular today, but it wasn't coined until 1898 by Havelock Ellis and denotes an aggressive degree of self-esteem, a pathological self-absorption that Sigmund Freud described as a normal stage in childhood development. It's a condition of emotional immaturity and disorder after the age of puberty. That's probably one of the most sensible things that Sigmund Freud said. I feel like he talks a lot of shit. And I can think <laughs> of some people I would give one narcissi to, like definitely. <laughs> so petty. <laughs> I love it. I know I am petty. I am petty. <laughs> I want to tell you the story of Hyacinthus. It's an Apollo-related story. You love up Apollo. But I do. <laughs> but we did the episode about our beautiful twins a while ago. And I want to quickly reference a piece, a couple of pieces of artwork I've since found of the story of Apollo and Daphne. Since she turned into a tree. And uh, it's not a flower, but, you know, it's kind of on theme. So these will go up on our Instagram. The first is Apollo and Daphne by John William Waterhouse, and this is from 1908. Beautiful. I love it so much. Yes, he is reaching out to her. She is still a person, and she's still human, but there are... It looks like vines, but it's obviously going to be bits of tree starting to cocoon up around her. Yeah, she looks kind of um, distressed as she's looking back at him. And I love the depth. Like in the background, you've got the mountains, you've got the river, you've got the flowers at her feet. She obviously was very distressed. And it's quite 
almost scary, I think, to be pursued in a god by this way. And, you know, she she was not into it at all. And the fact that she prayed to... She prayed for help, so I imagine that she she would have been very distressed. Now, the second is a statue that I am desperate to see in the flesh, and Rome is so badly on my bucket list of places, so hopefully soon. This is Apollo and Daphne by Benini. It was executed between 1622 and 1625. Now, if you look at the story, from what I understand of the statue different angles that you look at it reveals different things from the picture i've put up we're seeing the statue from the front so we can see that it's apollo chasing daphne but my understanding is if you look at it from a different angle it's more obvious that it's it's not obvious that it's her it's apollo reaching out to a tree and you can't see that it's it's her that's kind of cool i like that perception yeah, so the different the different ways you look at the statue will affect the story that the statue tells you. Your perception of it. Exactly. So Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, you can see so badly why I want to see the statue because it looks stunning. This is why I wanted to share it because yeah, I've heard really, really cool things about about the statue. So leaving one story of Apollo and moving on to another. So onto the story of Hyacinthus. Any quotes taken from sources in this story are all from Ovid. So, Charlotte, guess what Hyacinthus was? Beautiful. Well, how did you guess? He was a beautiful Spartan (laughs) youth and Apollo was hopelessly in love with him. They spent loads of time together and, according to Ovid, Apollo abandoned his normal pursuits to be with him. Now, unfortunately... Hyacinthus also had another admirer, and that was Zephyr, the West Wind. One day, Apollo and Hyacinthus took their clothes off and anointed themselves in oil to compete in a little fun athletics between themselves. Apollo went first, and he threw a discus. And as the discus came back to Earth, Zephyr, who couldn't handle that Hyacinthus was in love with someone else, blew it off course, and it struck, and it killed him. Apollo was devastated and he desperately tried to heal his lover's wounds but unfortunately they were too severe. In a watered garden if somebody breaks the stem of a violet, a poppy or lily with yellow stamens thick in its cup the flower will droop and suddenly lower its shriveled head. That Ovid wrote that not me. I'm not that. I'm not quite (laughs) that creative. Apollo lamented his death and he said that you can only survive in my heart. Be recalled in the world of my lips. Your name will resound in the music I play, in the songs that I sing. Now, he also prophesied that later a time would come when Ajax, bravest of heroes, Ovid's opinion, not mine, would link his fate to this flower and that his name would be read on the petals. When we come to the adventure of the Trojan War, you'll see that prophecy happen. Now, as he spoke, as Apollo spoke these words, a purple flower rose up from the ground. Now, I found a picture by Delda Sanges, I think that's pronounced, uh, D-E-L-D-E-S-A-N-G-E-S. And this was on DeviantArt, and it's of Apollo carrying the body of Hyacinthus. 
and you can see there are tears falling. They're, they're both they are both yeah. naked, and there are tears falling from Apollo's eyes, and you can see as well. There's a small cut on the head of Hyacinthus, and on the ground is a purple flower. That my favorite bit is that Hyacinthus is holding the flower or kind of trying to pull it up from the ground that's what it looks like isn't it yeah i like that i like it and i like the kind of it looks like they're in a in a forest and you can see like the light coming through the trees it's done really well with the shadows and the light i like this i couldn't find much in terms of like paintings like more what you'd expect from mythological paintings like the paintings of him and Daphne and like mm. the ones you found with Echo and Narcissus there's I couldn't find anything like that of them when I had a look but I did find this and I like the fact that it's something more modern it's different to share rather than sharing yeah. all artwork that's older it's nice to share some stuff that's that's modern too. it's a modern take on an old story yeah and you can see how devoted Apollo is to Hyacinthus in this picture. So obviously this is the myth behind the flower Hyacinth. And the flower even now symbolises devotion beyond death and passionate love. I really enjoyed that. That was nice. And this feels really fitting for spring as well to have some flower myths. Yeah, something nice for springtime. Yes. I'm looking forward to, to doing some more with you next time. I've already got one in my head. So, yeah, exciting. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Follow us on Instagram at Demythifying the Podcast for more Olympus-based content. And if you're liking what we're doing, please rate us and subscribe. You can also check out our website at www.demythpod.co.uk. See you again next time and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. She's been Charlotte. I've been Lauren. And together we've been Demythifying. <laughs>